Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Holly. Hi, everyone. I'm Holly, compulsive overeater. Hi, Holly. Hi. Welcome to everybody. Welcome to the newcomers. I'm so happy there are a lot of newcomers here. Um, you are the most impor- important people in this room, believe me, because without you, we wouldn't be able to pass our, our program along. Um, so I'm going to just stick to the format, what, what I was like. It didn't say what it was like. It said what I was like. I have to remember that. What I was like. Uh, what happened and what I'm like now. So um, I'm passing my pictures around. I'm a 100-pounder. Um, I'm, I was, when I came into the program, I was 280 pounds, basically, 280 pounds, and um, right now I'm 140 pounds, and I've been maintaining that. So that's my healthy body weight is about 140 pounds. So I'm exactly half of what I was when I came in. And, um, and I'll tell you a little bit about my journey. Um, to start out, uh, I see that I have a lot of time because there wasn't <laughs> many birthdays. But um, you know, I grew up in a small town back east. Uh, it was it was uh, between Buffalo and Rochester. It's a little town called Batavia, New York, and it was about the size of Reseda, if you can kind of picture that. Only it was in the middle of farms. So I was in this town and I grew up there and. Um, you know, it, everything started out okay, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, but, you know, I, what happened was, about when, I, when I was about six, the first thing happened, was, which was my parents got divorced. And where I come from, nobody's parents got divorced. That wasn't even heard of. Like, we never heard about that. And the other thing was, I was, the, I was um, there's a picture in my book when I was four and then when I was six. And you'll see that I was, I was overweight right from the start. I was never a healthy body weight. The whole growing all the years I grew up, I was never a healthy body weight. And I, I stuck out like a sore thumb, honestly. I really did. There was only a couple of us kids that were overweight. And I put a, uh, very importantly put a school picture in the, in the book. Because you can see everybody's pretty healthy body weight. And I, there I was, you know. Um, so I kind of grew up feeling different all the time. I got a lot of teasing, and you know how that goes. Um, but when I and I grew up and I went to college, and I I, I lived with my mom when uh, after about when I was six or seven, my dad moved out, and I lived with my mom. And my mom was schizophrenic, and I was kind of left there with her. And so there was nobody watching the store. You know, I, I grew up by myself. I went, I got myself dressed, and she would leave food for me to eat breakfast. And then she would, schizophrenic, sometimes you switch from day to night. So she was sleeping all day, and she'd be up all night. So, um, and I, I didn't know what to do. Like, I thought that that was normal for me, but I couldn't tell anybody else about it because none of my friends were having that problem. So I really felt alone a lot of times, and we didn't have much money, meaning so a lot of times there wasn't heat, there wasn't hot water, there wasn't clothes. I didn't have any clothes. Um, so I kind of, that's the way I started out. Um, and I didn't have 
I didn't really couldn't take care of myself till I was in high school, and then I got a part-time job, and I was able to to kind of get some clothes that I felt a little more comfortable in. But that that's how I grew up. There's a lot of years of that <coughs> that um, were really sad, you know. And what it did for me, it was it or to me actually, it made me very very self-sufficient um, because, like I say, there was nobody. I, I had to do everything for myself. So, uh, of course, later in life, that became a huge detriment to anything. You know, I, I, I wouldn't ask for help. I was very loyal, wouldn't ask for help, and I just, that's how I lived, you know. Anyway, so uh, I, I, after college, I went back home, and I really couldn't get a job uh, with what I was doing. I was, I was an artist, actually. So I went back and I worked. My dad uh, ran a diner in Western New York. So he ran a diner. It was kind of famous. Um, and I, he taught me how to cook, and I worked for him for 12 years after college. Um, that was not a good idea. <laughs> but it made me very, very isolated. Um, there was no, and then, of course, the whole time I'm knowing that I'm gay, okay? So that's not a good thing back east. <laughs> I just was like, you know, I, I, I hung out with my family, and I would have a friend now and then. But it just, you know, once I realized, once um, what got me out here, which was a, kind of a big turning point, was um, there was a girl in high school that came back. She had moved out here. She came back, and she worked in my father's restaurant for the summer. And we got to know each other um, and got reacquainted. And she invited me out here to visit. All it took was was ten days out here on a vacation. And I I was packing. I packed, and within nine months I moved out here. <clears throat> I needed to get really. I needed to get out of that that small town because I, I, I was going. I was literally going nowhere. I was working for my dad. Um, so I moved out here. And I, I got a different profession. That was kind of, um, I thought I could get a cook's job in a snap, and I couldn't. So I, I thank God. <laughs> I got a different profession, and I started working with people, and um, I, learned a new, I learned a new job, and that was kind of cool. Um, but I was working a lot of people around, and I was very um, afraid of everybody. I realized I was afraid of people. I was afraid of life. Um, and I was still very, very overweight, so that made it extremely uncomfortable. Um, what got me into program the first time was um, I wasn't in—I didn't have any relationships. Like I, like I said, I was in the small town back east. I didn't even know what to do. I didn't have a clue. Okay, can you picture that? Um, when I moved out here, I met a couple of girls. Um, and got to know a little bit about my, you know, made some nice friends, got to know a little bit about myself. But what happened was somebody that um, kind of was affiliated with my work um, started paying attention to me. And I got into a, a relationship, and I'm putting that in big quotations, <laughs> the relationship part. But I got into a relationship with a drug addict. Um, that was a smart thing. Um, but, you know, I had never, and I bet you I was, I moved out here when I was 30. So I was, you know, 30, 34, 30, whatever, and I had never been in a relationship. I, and, and somebody was paying attention to me. So I just went for it. I mean, and, and that was four years of that, and it was not good, okay? Um, but what it did do is it got me into program, and I'm so grateful for that. The other program, not this one. 
um, it got me into another program, which introduced me to a lot of nice people, and I started to make friends. That was so crucial. I started to make friends, and of course, those pe- some of those girls were in OA, and I got to hear about OA finally. I didn't know anything about that. So I came into program in 1993 first. Um, I came in and I, how, I didn't really work the program. That was part of the that was part of the problem. I was in for about a year and a half. I got an abstinence of three meals a day and no sugar. Um, that I knew. Like the minute I heard that, I said that's what I have to do because I was driving around Los Angeles, just eating all the time. Every time I went to, I had different stops I had to make, and I and they were filled in with different fast food places I would just drive through and I'd go to the next stop and then I'd drive through and go to the next stop it was constant I was eating constantly and I was so uncomfortable so um, when I came into the program you know I came to meetings and I, I I didn't get a sponsor I tried to call I just couldn't call people I wasn't quite ready but I did sit in meetings for about a year and a half and I was uh, three meals a day and no sugar I was able to do that I got a little bit of knowledge I I I kind of got a little bit comfortable, and I, then I got into a good relationship with a nice woman, and it made it very easy to walk right back out of program. It's like my meetings went from three down to two, down to one a week, and then I was like every other week I'd come, and then I was gone. I was gone. And I had to be out for eight more years. I, I stayed out of the, the uh, meetings for eight years. Uh, in that time, we started a catering company out of our house. So, no, that's not a good idea either. <laughs> but um, that's what we did. Um, I'm a good cook, and, and we did this catering company. We had bought a house and needed some extra money. It was very successful. And um, that I worked a full-time job plus that. So you can see what the other thing I problem I have is I can't stop. I was go- literally going all the time. I never sat down. Um, in that time, I was 280 pounds. What I would do in this whole time as an adult is I'd, I'd be at 280 pounds, and I'd be extremely uncomfortable. That was my uncomfortable weight. And I would, ta- I would go on some diet of some kind. It's never an expensive one, by the way. I never paid for anything. Um, <laughs> it would be a magazine diet or Atkins, something. I'd go on something. And I diet my way down to 240, and that was, and then I felt like I was all that, and I felt, I felt good, and I would then go right back up to 280. That's what I did, you know. Um, so I, we had this catering company, and I was 280, and you know, I had the problems with my feet. I had so many physical problems by the time I moved out here, and started to do all that stuff. I had. Um, like bone spurs in the bottom of my feet and I would be on my feet for eight, ten hours, you know, and it was awful. And I I didn't know what else to do. But what happened was it, what happened was I we stopped the catering company and it was probably about six months before I came back to program in two thousand and two. And we so I stopped the movement. I, I finally was not moving all the time. And I started to get extremely uncomfortable, more up here than with my body. Um, I was used to being 280. That wasn't a problem. Or, and I would diet my way down, and I started to do really weird things with food, and I got very, very depressed. I'm trying to describe, like, what it was like when I, when I really hit a bottom. And I couldn't tell you really what happened, but 
um, I know my older sister was out visiting me, and it, that visit didn't go well. For some reason, it's my uncomfortability. Um, it really didn't go well. I, I couldn't wait to drop her at that flyaway. I literally couldn't wait. She, you know, and I made a decision at that time that I had to do something. I was literally desperate and out of ideas. That's how bad I felt. So I had, I, I decided that I had to come back to OA, and I had to actually work the program. And I had to just, I, I, had to, I felt like I had to give myself a shot at it. And I was so glad that I did. Um, one of the things that happened just before then, I, you know, I thought about, the, today when I was doing, I was, I was running a lot today, and, but God kind of reminded me of a, of a story. It wasn't a, especially a funny story, but something made me think about this. And if you look in my book, when you see my book, there's a picture of me, and I was in Niagara Falls, okay, visiting Niagara Falls. Um, I would go back east every year to visit, and, and when, I was, when I was with my partner, of course, she would come with me. So one year, and this happened over and over, one year um, we decided we wanted to take a trip to Niagara Falls with my older sister. It's about, a, it's about an hour, let's say an hour drive from where I'm from. So we th- I thought that would be really cool to take a drive to Niagara Falls. It's literally beautiful there. And if you park on the American side in Niagara Falls, um, New York, you could walk across the Peace Bridge and go to Niagara Falls in Canada. And it's just, that's the coolest thing. So I remember pulling up, we parked the car, and there was no way we were walking anywhere. And this happened over and over. I couldn't, like there was no energy to walk anywhere. The the intent was always to go and, and do something. And I could never do it. I was just so tired and uncomfortable all the time that we drove there and we, we, we just were at the railing of Niagara Falls and could not walk across that bridge. And like I said, this happened over and over. Um, I remember going to the Huntington Gardens and we got through the tour and had to go home. I shouldn't say we, I'm sorry. I got through the tour and I had to go home. That was it. I couldn't go any farther. Um, so what, we got in the car after that and we drove to a buffet. Like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> drove to a buffet. I remember it very... Today, it all came back to me. I remember it very vividly. And, you know, when I was out in this eight years that I was not in program, I still didn't eat sugar. I had, I had stopped eating sugar a couple years before. I really thought sugar was my problem. Um, so I was still not eating sugar, and I didn't eat any sugar-free things either. All this time, by myself, didn't do that. So I got, I went to this buffet, and um, we ate lunch, and they had sugar-free pudding there. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea. I, it's been years since I ate anything sugar-free. I didn't do that. And um, I decided that I would start eating that. And I literally went on a year-and-a-half sugar-free stuff soiree. I I went from place to place, and I'd walk into a place I would scan for anything <laughs> sugar free. Oh, they get, you know, and I'd go buy some. It's very number one. It's very expensive, <laughs> and I would just go from place to place and eat that. And then, and and thank God that that was I stopped that the summer before I came into the program. But that's the kind of addict I am. It doesn't matter what it is. I I can binge out on the healthiest stuff. I really like chicken and brown rice and vegetables, and I, could, and I used to eat whole chickens. That's, I, it doesn't matter what it is. So 
I'm just a I'm just a garden variety compulsive overeater. So when I came, decided to come back to program, I I walked back into the rooms and I really couldn't wait to walk in. I'm telling that's how done I was. I couldn't wait to walk back into the room. So I I came back in and I started to go to meetings. I felt I sat down and. The first thing that happened is I walked into my one of my home meetings now. It's called Monday Night Miracles. And three beautiful young girls came running over to me, and they made me feel so welcome. And I thought, oh, thank God. And I just started to go to meetings. I started to listen to people, listen to speakers. And within a month, I got a sponsor. And it was completely different than the first time. I felt completely different. I was literally desperate and out of ideas. And that's what I hope for all you newcomers, that you're really desperate and out of ideas. Because that, that's what got me going, is that I didn't have any place to, else to go. Um, I got a sponsor within a month, and I picked a 100-pounder woman that was on her way down. And um, she was probably an ounce less scary than every other woman in the room. <laughs> Just an ounce. But, you know, I started calling her at 6 o'clock in the morning and tell, telling her, number one, what I was going to eat that day. And... Um, my abstinence date is September 28th, 2002, and that's the first day I called her. That's when I, I started counting my time is when I started calling a sponsor. Um, and what we did was we started, I didn't know what I was doing, by the way. She told me, she gave me some written uh, instructions and told me to get three books, which was the big book, the AA 12 and 12, and um, AA Comes of Age. And she started me on writing on different things like there I think I started out with the doctor's opinion which is kind of hard for newcomers I went right through it the doctor's opinion okay it described that I'm an addict I'm physically and mentally different from other people and I thought oh okay I could get that at this time I could get that I couldn't get it before I'm physically and mentally different and um, we read There's a Solution, which remains to be my favorite chapter in the big book. I, I could pick that up and read it any time, and I feel better. There's a Solution. I'm in the rooms, and I'm in the solution now. So we started working the steps. That, what, she was, what she gave me was steps one, two, and three um, through this format. It was called APOR at that time. It was a formatted writing exercise, and it was really, really good. Um, and I we... There was a whole bunch of us. The other thing was there was a whole bunch of us that kind of started at the same time. I don't know how that happened. but And we were all going through these steps one, two, and three. And we had a third step ceremony when we got through step three. This was the tradition. And we, there was 23 people taking this third step ceremony with me. And it was the most fantastic. It was so powerful. But what we did was, and this is the contrary action, is that my sponsor, thank God, was one of those sponsors that... The first thing she did was introduce me to my OA sisters. And we all got our numbers, and that's who we called. She, if, I, if you can't reach me, this, you call one of your sisters. And, you know, there was a whole group of us that hung out together. We went to meetings. We'd go out to eat after. We'd sit around and talk. Um, that saved my life. I'm not, I wasn't used to that. I was such a loner. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by people that are, are doing the same thing I was. And that was the most powerful thing for me. Now I'm in a, in a group that God is, God is, is, it's like everybody's looking for God. You know what I mean? They're like, how am I going to do this? And all of us were doing the same thing. It was really, really cool. So 
I worked through the steps, and I changed sponsors, you know, at that, at the fourth step. I did my fourth step. You know, I always thought, I always thought that when I, that I really needed to do a fourth step because I felt like I had all this pent-up information inside that I needed to get out. That was one of my thoughts when I came back in in 2002. If I could just tell somebody everything that went on or tell somebody everything that was in my mind, I thought maybe that was that was something that would really help me because I, I you know, I, I'm really, I started out life really shy. I'm not so shy anymore. But um, I started, and I don't talk to people, and I don't let things out. You know, I was really shut down. So um, one of the gifts of the program was I got to talk to people, and I got to do a four-step. The first one, it was what it was. You know, and I, I just got out a lot of things with my sponsor, and we went, and I, like I said, I changed sponsors at that point, and I kind of went through a different thing, and then um, finished the steps, and then things were going along pretty good. Um, I had a decent job. I was in a good relationship, had a comfortable place to live, had a nice car. I was doing my thing. I was working program. Um, everything was okay, and... Um, then I made a decision to end my relationship, and that involved a lot of stuff. It was a long-term, it was a long-time relationship, and I and I was really done. There's a lot of things that happened, and I just made that decision. And um, I was working with a sponsor at that time, and I told her what was going on, and we worked the steps through it before I made any decisions. This is the gift of the steps. This is what helps me with my life today and helps me stay abstinent. So we worked the steps through before I made any decision, and I also grabbed um, some women in program that have been through that, and they just really carried me through this whole time. So I had to do, um, I had to, we had to, like I say, I, I ended my relationship. We had to live together for a while, and because we own this house, and we had to fix it up and sell it. So there's a lot to that. It was about a, probably a nine-month process. Um, I moved into another place. I didn't find a house right away. I didn't find a place to live right away. So I moved in with a, a – I rented a room from a program friend, which was kind of – it's probably exactly what I needed. I think God controlled the whole thing um, because I had no responsibilities other than to look for another place to live. So, and I was kind of, I was very, very anxious at this time, and um, it was really hard. It was a really hard time. But that time, then I, I worked the steps again after that, after I got through all this. I worked the steps again, and that's when I actually really got step six and, six and seven. You know, this is, step, this is like the third time through the steps. I finally really understood step six and seven. And when I realized that um, I have these fear, I have a I have a big fear of abandonment. And once I once I named that, I really felt so much better. Um, I have a big ego. I don't like to be corrected. Oh, that's what the problem is. See, this is these are the things I ate over. I don't like to be corrected. Um, and I'm working with that today. I mean, this is what comes up with my boss today. I don't like to be corrected. Um, and these other fears that have come up. And I really did, like I say, I finally realized, I finally understood to ask God to remove these defects of character. 
And, you know, I don't so much call them defects now. Um, they're more like, this is how I was. This is my character traits. And they got blown up out of proportion. And I know blown up out of proportion is exactly what it felt like when I went through this breakup. But I did it abstinently, you know. Uh, I did it with the program, with people in the program, and I did it abstinently. And um, after that, uh, let's see, I moved into a house. I found a house. I moved into there. And then I had to, I had to up my meetings a little bit because it was like a settle down. And then everything, everything progressed okay. I worked out. Everything worked out okay. Um, the other thing that happened, there's, you know, there's things that happen in life. Um, but I have to tell you that what my life is like today, that's the most important part. You know, I work with a sponsor. Shelly's my sponsor, and I'm so happy about that. And, we, and I'm really, really comfortable and very open. And that's the most important thing, that I can be open and honest with somebody. Um, we were, we're, I'm working the steps again right now. On um, I started to get to realize that I was very nervous, and I, was, um, I have been damaging my hands for years. You know, and I've been doing that for the longest time. And I would, I did, and I would look, and I would be really embarrassed about them. Um, and this is, I bet you this has gone on for about 15 years, and I never dealt with it. And so when things kind of calmed down, um, it started to bother me a lot. So we, we started to work the steps again on that. And, you know, a whole... Another part of my program is going to come up. I can feel it coming up now. And it's about um, issues, not, not so much body issues, but my feelings about my body and, you know, what happens and, and um, different parts of that. And, and I, you know, and, and I'm working on that. And I know that that's how, it, by staying abstinent, Whatever comes up, I get to work through it. In other words, I'm not available to do that if I'm if I'm eating. And the first thing I had to do was put it, put down the food and start picking up the pen. And I, you know, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I write every day. So what I'm going to do to um, to tell you is what I do today, actually, because I think that that's important for the newcomers. Um, my abstinence is three meals a day and no sugar. That didn't change, and I have. Um, 12 and, 12 and a half years of abstinence. And what I do this right now today is that every morning I get up early and I feel that I have to do my program stuff first before I go to work. So I get up early and I do uh, reading and writing. I do writing that I'm doing um, and I do my meditation. I get ready for work and I sponsor um, women that call me from between 6 and 6.40 in the morning. They just call one right after the other. And they're doing the same thing, by the way. I have them. I take them through the steps the same way. Two of them are on the big book right now, which is great, because I get to hear the big book every morning also. Um, So I talk to my sponsees, and then I call my sponsor, and then I go to work. At night, I do a 10-step. And I, and I write down my food for the next day and I send it to my, send both of those things to my sponsor. Um, the gift of the 10 step, I, you know, I get a little annoyed at doing it sometimes because I'm really tired at night. But, um, the gift of it is I get to go through my day again and actually write out what happened because, thank you. Um, something happened yesterday with my boss. My boss is 86 years old. Um, he's he was he's uh, really successful. He's really sharp. But I see in the past year he's gotten um, 
not as sharp. I'm just going to say that he's, I, you know, he's struggling a little bit, and and I'm my role has changed drastically from when I first started with him till now. I'm doing a lot more proactive things, and I'm kind of keeping, you know, I'm I'm checking on a lot of things, and and he's got a son who's really annoying and very very type A, and um, he's. Um, He's also in real estate, but he's kind of in the background doing all the all the legal stuff. So I have to answer to him too. Um, he's not so much of a problem, believe it or not. He he annoys me, and I, he also corrects me, which you know I don't like. I already told you that. <laughs> but you know, with my boss yesterday, he said something, um, and he's getting like this. He said something. I didn't answer the phone. Like, he called, and I, and I had erased his message by accident. So I called his cell phone. No, he's not good on the cell phone, okay? He's 86. He's traveling. He's not good on the cell phone. So, hello, you know. <laughs> he answered. Oh, he answered. He talks funny on the cell phone. I thought he was yelling, but he wasn't. Um, but he answered the, he, he didn't, I didn't answer the phone, and I, called him back and he didn't answer like I realized he called and that was the message I erased so I thought so I called him back and he didn't answer the phone he didn't pick up the phone because I I don't know where it goes he probably, I'm sure he doesn't you know answer it ever but um, and I let it go I didn't think anything about it I thought he'll call back I mean he's got my cell phone he calls it by accident half the time he'll call back he'll email something okay I didn't worry about it but when I, I talked to him, when he got back in town, I talked to him. He said, I have to put a chain on you because you're never in the office. So I thought, what? And I took that. See, I took that in. That's not the truth. But he said that because he was a little frustrated. Um, and, I took, and I sat with that for four, five hours, okay? I let that sit inside for five hours until the end of the day. And I'm driving home, and I'm like, I got that little cloud, you know, that cloud of something sad. It was a little sad, and I, I thought, does he really think that, you know? And it, all this thinking is unnecessary. <laughs> See, that's the point. Um, and I called my friend Sean, and I talked it out, and we're yelling at each other, he's old. <laughs> and that was the, you know, that he, nothing's wrong. He's old. He's real, and I have to get that that I take things personally, and I don't have to do that anymore, you know. Um, and I let it go. Thank God I let it go. I didn't want to, I didn't carry it into the evening. I didn't carry it into today, and I did it, and I had a good day today. Now, normal people, I don't know what they do <laughs> when stuff like this happens. I really don't. I'm so grateful that for the program because it gives me tools for all those silly things that happen during the day. I have tools. I don't have to pick up the food anymore. I have tools that will take me through whether it's a big thing or a little thing. I have tools, and I use the tools. I make calls. I, I have, you know, I check those off every night that I use the tools. I have a food plan that's, that is absolutely a sober food plan. It absolutely works for me. I wouldn't change it for the world, and it keeps me abstinent, and it's really cool. So that's another tool that I have, and I use it all the time. You know, I use it every day. Um, anyway, that's what I do every day. Did I leave anything out? I feel like I've been talking for three hours. <laughs> anyway, I'm so grateful. And again, I, I, I'm, I hope the newcomers just keep coming back because it took me two tries, it took me two shots through 
but it doesn't matter because you know what? I have a completely different life today. I have a life beyond anything that I ever thought was possible. Um, you know, I came here for some peace, and I got peace, and now I feel peace, and I feel I realize that um, to work in the steps, I have a God today that I talk. Number one, I talk to all the time. I never had that, but I have a God that I talk to all the time. That's right, sitting right here in my heart, and I may forget it for a while, but I'm always continuously reminded that even if it's from my sponsor, where you know I. God's right here, and, and I'm full of love, and I am love, and that's what I that's how I go every day. I start the day like that, and um, it's just a it's a crazy way to live, and I absolutely love it. And I'm so grateful for this program. Thank you. Questions? Okay. I was reminded I'm supposed to tell a Lane Bryant story. Lane Bryant is um, where I had the shop for clothes. There was two stores. There's Lane Bryant and the Avenue. And whenever I needed something, I had to go to one of those stores, you know. And um, whether I liked it or not, whether I liked the clothes or not, I had to buy, especially for work. So, you know, if you stop going, they start. They keep sending those catalogs. That's what that picture is in there. It's a, Lane Bryant sends a catalog with a big thing. We miss you. <laughs> you know? But what happened was, you know, there's a million issues that happened when... when I lost, when I went from 280 down to 140, there's a million issues that, that are in that span of two and a half years that come up. And one of them is shopping, shopping for clothes, okay? I used to have to buy whatever fit. It was not me. It was, you know, I didn't like it. But I had to buy what fit, and that's it. That was the only criteria. Does it fit? Okay. But when I started, you know, losing weight and I started and I, I had to get some new clothes, you know, the first thing I did, of course, I'm alone, by the way. I went by myself and I walked in and all I could do was walk around the store like this. I was not in those sizes anymore, but I had to go and take a tour, take a tour through and realize I don't go to this, I don't fit in the store anymore. I actually have to find different stores. So the lesson was, Always take somebody shopping with you. <laughs> but when it really, it was hard when I when I first lost. I didn't know where to look. I didn't know what a junior was. I only had XLs, XXXLs, and I and so there's a lot that comes up losing that much weight, especially with how I how I look in the mirror, um, how my clothes fit, how I try on that, like how I try on things people have to tell me no get the smaller size take another size down there's a lot and that's the gift of people in the program and a sponsor because that's what I that's what I needed was people that guide me I actually needed to be guided through all of that it's, it's, it can be scary and it's just a pain in the butt but on the other end you know I get to wear a white shirt today and I, I would not be showing up anywhere in a white shirt. Believe me, there was no white happening. <laughs> Is there any other questions? Uh, what, to, what tools do I pick up for different feelings? Um, my feelings are a lot of, I still have trouble identifying what my feeling is. It's more like okay and very uncomfortable. It goes in that range. But if I, it, it, the 10 step at night is what I, that's the tool is the 10 step because that helps me identify and ask those questions was I resentful was I fearful was I selfish 
you know, and it, and it helps me identify those things. But um, a phone call is the best thing. Just talk it out, and somebody's going to help you. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes. Well, I would I would be rubbing them all the time. So what happens is the the nails start growing funny. Um, it gets it, it's like self mutilation is what it is, and it, sometimes it hurt, it hurts a lot. I mean, and it, it would heal up and it would be bad again. So I don't know, maybe nine months. I've been working with that. Nine months. About nine months I've been working with that, and I did a lot of self-care, like um, manicure, pedicure once a month, and then going for a manicure after two weeks, things like that. A lot of self-care, a lot of um, trying to identify what I'm anxious over. I mean, I use the word anxious a lot because that probably is the closest that I can identify that feeling. Um, it's a big, big general feeling, but and and talk. An immense amount of prayer and meditation to just, sure. Oh, I'm done. Sorry. Okay, thank you for letting me know.